The Great Canadian Talk Show. There's only a couple of watts, but I brought the truth to everyone within three blocks of the West Side of Campus. No way! Yes way! And now, let's get right down to business with Marty Gold. Welcome to the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast, episode 23 in our series covering the 2022 Winnipeg Civic Election Marty Gold with Spirited Kenny once again. Let's go! Yes, that's us. Um, and uh, we uh, continue the long march. Boy, uh, this is a, it, it is a, a long march. Uh, and it's exhausting for the campaigns. Oh. It's exhausting for the voters. Uh, the media is exhausted, but a lot of the time it's because they're sort of chasing their own tails. Um, and uh, we all but like shouldn't shouldn't they be working as hard as as they are now uncovering stories ethic, in a timely manner is, all no, the time? The, the work ethic is first of all, yes, you're right, and the work ethic has completely changed. Completely changed. I mean, uh, the, uh, we'll, change, and we Marty. get into this in the second half, and and we do not have a, a format, uh, particular format for the second half. It's going to discuss what's going on lately in the election, just generally, because Kenny and I are a exhausted, and it's just better to talk about this stuff sometimes. Uh, and uh, that means we're not going to talk about everything. We're going to talk about things that have caught our attention or that oh. come up in conversation. We can't uh, talk about everything. We'd be here for. We're here There's for a lot to talk about. Part of, part of, yes, and part of it is about the, the campaign, the campaigners, the public, the media coverage of the campaign. Uh, but the work ethic, media-wise, is completely different. I I've, I watch stories get crafted with a narrative right out of the gate that that are just pr- unbelievable. Uh, and and their work has become defending a point of view. I you know it's it's I. I mentioned to somebody in one article, and well, I guess we'll do this in the second part. It's an article about people involved with political campaigns, and it, it reads like something I would have expected to read in Pravda in the 1970s about <laughs> Jewish dissidents in the Soviet Union. Uh, so uh, should they work this hard all the time? Yes, they didn't work hard enough to uncover only one outlet in, investigated, seems to have investigated Glenn Murray's background with the Pemina Institute. Only one outlet uh, and I suppose in the, in the follow-ups, uh, I can't say categorically the free press or say or global didn't pick up on 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 uh, an additional um, part of the story or, or new information. Though I, I, nothing comes to mind that quickly with regards to the uh, Glenn Murray story in Caledon. I don't know that anybody really followed it up uh, uh, with any great effect outside of the originating story by CB that sat there for years. Nobody looked at it. Nobody's looked at what this guy has done since he left town. And, yeah. and, and that's just, it's to me, that's, um, it speaks to a lack of dedication to serving the public and more of a dedication to serving a, a narrative that has established itself now quite firmly in Winnipeg's media and, and, and pronouncedly, and at least before there may have been a narrative, but you could respect where it was coming from and right. who it was coming from. But now we have people with, no experience in the Winnipeg community whatsoever, parachuting in as reporters. I'm not talking about Bartley Kivas, who's done a, who's done a great job. I'm not talking uh, uh, right now. I'm not talking specifically about anybody. It's just the overall tenor of the newsrooms. There's been some good reporting, but the fact that nobody looked into Glenn Murray's background 
whether it was in Caledon, whether it was in Calgary, which he barely went. The fact that he didn't actually go to Calgary for that job and that he was working out of Toronto. So he was still in his base of power and not one media outlet reported that. It's amazing. They didn't tell us anything about the guy. Oh, he came back. He says he's been back for five years. It's actually barely more than four. Two were during COVID. So he did no real circulating as none of us did within the community. So he's been functional within the community for two and a half years, three months of which he spent campaigning for his old job back after costing us $2 million the first time he quit. If it sounds like Glenn Murray doesn't have much credibility in my eyes at this stage of the campaign, the second report from CBC but from the, about the Pemina Institute and the fact that he is a serial misogynist, there are t- at least three, I think all four, but three of the people in, in Calgary, I think some of these people are actually in Toronto office, quit. Can you imagine like, if I didn't even think this through? He had women in two different cities quitting, certainly in one. Who, who would have thought that liars lie? Oh, but you see, the media, they're all into this same circle jerk that they're all involved in. It includes the Gail Aspers of the world, too. Oh, you get recognition from a headline. Oh, you give recognition to the person in the headline because they're such a philanthropist or such a great person or a so-called builder. And then the media gets an award for covering their issues. And it says, your mommy's rock. He taught me this. He taught Ron East, or my publisher at the J.CA, this. He taught many people this in the 1980s. Nick Turnett agreed. Henry Carvalho agreed. Wade Williams agreed. Kuldeep Singh agreed. That what you had in the Winnipeg establishment, where there are individuals who will not play ball all not play ball all the time. There is coercion, just like the United Way campaign. Don't get me started on what that what that is like from what I've heard firsthand from people. They're glad to take your money, but to actually make sure that the organizations that are supposed to show these, you know, these donor groups and these hustlers for the United Way fundraising, supposed to show them around the place, show them what's going on and explain what the relationship is with the United Way. And then they know nothing. They just got their hands out. (laughs) And Glenn Murray and other candidates turn to groups like this, say, oh, they support us. Nobody ever, nobody ever examines the actual work that's been done on the ground level by some of these organizations. I'm sorry to say. Well, like that Global Mail story is, is completely Googleable. You can type Glenn Murray in Google and see and that story looked, pop up. And you know, we were not going to talk about this directly, but you brought up the media and the job they've done. There was nothing, nothing about the. I don't know that anybody else has picked up on part two. I think the free press briefly and Murray's, oh, I've answered all the questions. No, you haven't. There's an email that says that you knew. How can you look a reporter in the face and say, oh, I didn't know nothing? Are you denying that this email exists? Are you denying that you, you're you saying that the finance director invented that Glenn Marie had been pressuring them to, to give a confession? Look at the behavior that's involved here. This guy is like, this is like, he must have gone on the, he probably was on the same program, the same training program as the Stephanie Forsyth of the world. Spending money on pet projects, glad handing with people, being feted by business leaders as though they know anything. Know what I did today, Marty? Sort of sidebar. I had to I had to block Charles Adler on my Twitter today. Because ever since I heard have you blocked already? No, no, no. I I had to mute him. I don't I don't follow him, but he popped up in my feed ever since I made that comment about him doing that radio feed. What did what did Chucky have to say? I don't know. I, I just I just saw his Whoa. face. And I'm like, I can't. <laughs> everything you say is a lie. You're a hack. You're a has been. And I'm like, well, no, he's no, definitely I, a has been. 
He's a and, and the fact that he was allowed by the Winnipeg media to emerge. The Winnipeg media asked, hmm, what were his ratings like in Vancouver before he was dished from the radio business? What happened just, there just the way that he's, where he wasn't even carried by the station in his home market? Like, just the way that he, he said that ad on the radio. Like, he's going to go back to the good old times of me being on the radio and Glenn Murray doing his job at the office. You know, what a, he... What a, Joke. He criticized Glenn Murray when Glenn Murray was in office, no end. Now, that's not to say you can't turn around and support somebody overall and, and that, that Adler wasn't doing his job. If he was but doing... he was no fan of Glenn Murray necessarily uh, when he was on radio. But now he makes it sound like the Glenn Murray era was uh, was all, uh, 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 you know, carnivals and uh, uh, carnivals and uh, and and uh, the time, Wally Golden Pops. Roads. Yeah, I. Whatever. If he was doing I mean, that it ad, was, it was what it was. But I've seen how the city, how the city, uh, I see how the city has changed, and he wants to turn the clock back to the 1990s. And that's if, just a strange way to, to to do modern politics. If and, he actually and, thought and, like that, and, if he actually but what thought, it does, it's not a strange way to do Winnipeg politics because what it does is it pulls on the levers of power. Yeah, and it makes people. And think that's that, the only thing these guys know. Yeah. Charles Adler has not walked in the dark down a, uh, a street in the North End in if he even did it 25 years ago when he first got here, maybe with was he with what, 92? I can't remember when he first got maybe went for a walk on the wild side. Then give me a not, break. I think he would have been here in 99. So it's just out of high no, school. He was here earlier. That he let you know he was here in the 80s, came back, well, oh, yeah. came back again. You're right. Uh, I, I just. Uh, there's a whole dynamic that came out and, and the biggest evidence of it is the media's lack of curiosity. And I could say this about all the candidates, I guess, but there's clearly somebody coming in saying, elect me on my record. There's two people really saying that I inclined to some extent as an opposition counselor, yeah. uh, Gillingham as, as the standard bearer for Bowmanism while denying that he is, he is, uh, uh an extension of Bowman. Uh, which most people just do not buy, okay? And Glenn Murray, who led is not saying elect me because I served four years in Parliament. He's saying his experience is helpful to certain aspects of his uh, platform. But this is what, what Glenn Murray campaigned on. And to just, to walk past, I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this clear. He has exercised consistently poor judgment that renders him unfit to be the mayor of Winnipeg. Oh, yeah. This has nothing to do with whether Gail Asper, anybody else thinks he's a nice guy. Maybe Gail Asper, and I'm trying to remember who the other dame was, Anita Stenning, thinks that Glenn Murray's a wonderful guy and they've never had bad experiences with him. Go tell that to the dames that worked for the Pemina Institute. Go tell that to Marilyn Morrison and her staff that had to put up with his behavior at that meeting, that he lied. He lied. He said that they called the meeting. They asked for the meeting. He asked for the meeting. Even if Glenn Murray does get elected, two answers to the Globe and Mail, and when they say that Caledon didn't ask for it, the minister called them. I'm going to believe Caledon. Even if Glenn Murray does very. Let me finish this point, Kenny. He exercised very poor judgment because what he was trying to do with that housing development was exactly what there had been two criminal, two criminal trials, one conviction, another that where I think it was heading for sentencing, where she had been framed for a million. Has any outlet outside of CBC reported how deeply this? This racket around this land development was that this woman and her town council were resisting. 
And he goes and he pulls the Harry Lazarenko. Remember, Lazarenko, I don't remember. Now with Marilyn Morrison, oh, I don't remember. So, oh, I have complaints about you. I'm gonna, uh, I can make them go away. Please. We see from his pattern of behavior outside the city that he's, if anything, amplified the distasteful elements of his governance and so-called leadership from when he was in Winnipeg. And he's added in a lot of levels at which people have to be concerned. He clearly has a problem with professional women. I know that no other newsroom has said it, but I can tell you Kick FM would have said it. No wonder Kick FM's not around anymore. Am I wrong, Kenny? If Glenn Murray does get elected, he's only going to be there for like two years because A, he might quit, or B, most likely, he'll get charged for something, whether sexual harassment or fraud. That's my prediction. Well, I don't know where the fraud is, really. And I don't see that there's, I don't see that because I haven't heard of any financial. Well, who knows? I, I, I exactly. Don't know who knows? He hasn't at what even... the spending was like at the Pemini Institute or anywhere else he's been. I don't know. He hasn't filed his taxes. Uh... Oh, you're talking about the Green Party thing. Yeah. That's not yeah. fraud. Clearly, that's, clearly there's some that, money that's issues not fraud. going on. Yeah, that's not fraud, though, Kenny. That's a I, yeah. um, uh, criminal code, uh, elections act, uh, under the auspices of Elections Canada. And it's, um, it's, an, aff- it's an offense that is punishable with a fine or a or a jail term uh and they actually the the, the numbers are pretty big i think it's 50,000 is it 50,000 oh. dollars uh but anyways that it's not fraud though um that but but it it, it well uh maybe it's not classified he, wait, as wait, fraud wait, but wait 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 um there's a third factor we might as well get on the table now while we're talking about it, there's a third factor. You know, the newsrooms don't talk about what everything they hear. Nobody can. You, you find out so much stuff. I, I think I mentioned this. There was an altercation in the 2018 election uh, between rival camps in a suburb, in a shopping mall. And I have never did where the camps were set up or one camp was set up. I've never, I did not report at the time it. It wouldn't have done. Nobody was hurt. It wouldn't have done anybody any good to to delve into it. And there was other things going on. And with the passage of time, it's a cur- It's you know one of those Winnipeg curiosities. Okay. <laughs> so I'm what, picturing like Anchorman, where the factions are fighting each other in the park. This was inside a mall, apparently. It was inside of a mall. lot of screaming, and I mean it was First a bad scene. Or a respectable it, mall. It, it it was a bad scene, but. If Glenn Murray did this, had done this in Winnipeg, if he ran in 2018 and didn't file, he wouldn't be allowed to run. What kind, what kind of a joke are our election laws that someone can break the law somewhere else, not just break it and then pay the fine? Okay, you know, things happen. They they're still in the middle of breaking it. Like apparently it's so massive that or it's so so okay, no one cares so about it. That no one's talking so about this, it. So this goes back to He's he's trying to accomplish the same thing. Individuals who have exhibited and and been around criminal behavior want it done in Caledon for this land, for this housing development. So. He's comfortable around 
schmoozing. He's comfortable schmoozing with everybody. And some people are fixers and some people are, are hustlers and some people have, you know, um, special interest agendas. But he was pushing for what they wanted after one guy was convicted of beating up the woman's, uh, the mayor's husband in the driveway, which is a week after two guys had told them they had pictures of her with another man. And then after, I can't remember if it was before that, in the middle of that, or right after that, certainly, a CRH agent, a CRH agent tried to frame her. And Glenn Murray walks in the path of that behavior, throws the staff out of the room. And, oh, I don't remember what we talked about, but it was all pleasant. She experienced it differently the way the women at the, if this is indisputable. Maybe it, was, maybe it was pleasant for him. Maybe he enjoys making people feel uncomfortable. Clearly he does. He resisted. The biggest giveaway is, again, like a Stephanie Forsyth would, he resisted whistleblower training. Free press headline. Well, what, everybody here is asking, who, who, who are they supposed to blow the whistle on? What kind of a, does it take a second year psychology student to understand exactly what kind of a dead giveaway that is? Oh, yeah, 100%. Red flags. But when this comes out three days before the ballot day, instead of three months, two months, one uh, one month, three weeks before, that is a failure by the Winnipeg media. I'm not saying CBC's failed the reporting they've done. I question the timing, which is often out of the hands of the reporters. Yeah, I, I think I mean, it's almost. I mean, on, at CBC, it is out of their hands. Uh, I, you know, they want to get these stories done. And I know that firsthand. But there, how did this second story come out after the CBC debate and not before it? I, yeah. I'm mystified by that. I'm mystified. I really like an explanation. I'm not accusing anybody of anything. But, you know, when you know that there's three or f- three women that have gone on the record, on the record, about being harassed, when you know that he says, oh, I didn't know anything about complaints, and he was trying to root out the whistleblower. Yeah, yeah this just is, completely this is, out of hearing about it. Yeah, well, you know, if people are trying to decide what they want, what kind of behavior they want around City Hall. It'd be a good idea to let them know as soon as possible. I'm oh, yeah. just saying. But the media outlets are compromised. They're compromised, not of their own doing. But I don't know if they're compromised, but they're definitely incompetent. Well, no, is there sweeps going on? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'm just asking. As for, it doesn't act. They don't traditionally, act like it. Traditionally, they have been. I don't know if that game has changed to the point where they've changed the time periods, but they, they, they're so focused on on clickbait and on nonsense that no one... I'm going to give you an example of a newsroom where I've seen some nice little reporting done, honestly. And and it's gone... It's, it's agenda-driven, but it, they try to be fair. Like, all fourth-place stations in this market have tried and have actually been really good at doing nice little newscasts, okay, on yeah. that godforsaken... Uh, 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 you know, well, in the old days, how do I put this? In the old days with uh, Tube TV, I guess it would be called. Right? The rotary dial, Kenny? On the Tube t- Yeah, just TV. Old style TV. Like over the air at the antennas? Over the air at the, well, the early days of cable, Channel 8, the bottom of the dial. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so, City TV. They would have benefited from breaking these stories, from investing one of their little reporters. They're all kids. That's why I say they're little. (laughs) 
No different than the kids at Kick FM were. No different than the kids at Shaw TV. I was a kid in the news business once. Don't kid yourself that somebody with a, a certificate from somewhere is qualified to understand the news that they are expected to bring the public and make the public informed. They aren't well informed themselves. Politics takes years to learn and understand. It takes years to make the kinds of connections to get the education that I got from Nick Turnett. I don't know who these other people are, a lot of these other people are. I was trained by Yarmah Mizrahi and Nick Turnett. I stacked that up in terms of community, uh, understanding the nature of community and news. I stacked that up against anybody. Anybody. Sorry. I learned a different way. It's a way that wasn't respected by the establishment. And I know everybody says they want to be better, but some newsrooms could have done better. Some reporters could have been guided better. I think that a lot of this falls on the newsroom management, the decisions they make, which is actually a discussion at the national level. How come Leith Maroof, the uh, the anti-Semite getting funding, uh, and the government now being caught, federal government being caught, having known about it for 30 days, the, the Privy Council Office, Prime Minister knew, and they didn't do anything for 30 days after they found out that they were funding a, a guy who hated Jews and hated the French and hates blacks and hates America, and, right? Lives in Beirut. Yeah, I think the, that's the really newsrooms good. aren't talking about that nationally. So on a local level, this lack of curiosity about the guy who could be the next mayor huh, seems perfectly natural to me. It's, it's, a, like it's, a, it's, a, it's a disservice. And so, complete lack of guidance. Okay, so lack of guidance results in in people that are career politicians like Glenn Murray that know how the game is played, manipulating and maneuvering that. And then when the, the, the heat gets turned on, he turns to Joanne Persega, the free press, or to Kivas, or wherever else is there, and goes, well, I've already answered your questions lots of times. No, you haven't. Are these women lying about what you said? Are they I mean, lying? if you, you answer the question, question, Glenn Murray. should be easy to answer then. Yeah, I answered this already. I know what I should be saying. I, I should be well, I should have a polished well, answer. His mind, he answered it because he denied anything ever happened. This, I mean, just look at this. Yeah. This is you've got you've got all these rooms of a house, and there's something knocked over in every room. Something's knocked over on the floor, busted. And Glenn Murray's been through every room in the house. What are you supposed to conclude about how Glenn Murray walks? You know how he talks the talk. How does he walk the walk? If you talk to people in Caledon, if you talk to people in Toronto, this is outside of his record as an MPP and a minister. And we know as a minister, he had regular lunches with a certain somebody, and they also met with a, one of the representatives from that development company. And then when that other individual couldn't arrange a private meeting with the mayor and somebody was offered ten dollars or $15,000 to do it, a third party, and when they couldn't get their own little meeting with the mayor and, and, and have a talk with her alone about this, somehow Glenn Murray ended up alone in a room with her. Why do Winnipeg newsrooms have no curiosity? Why do Winnipeg news directors have no curiosity about this? Yeah, it's like someone else covered it. Oh, well, since they covered it, we can't touch it. We don't. Since they want, covered it in the Globe and Mail four years yeah. ago, you know, it, if Winnipeggers want to find out, they'll go find out themselves by Googling what term. Yeah. No, you just know, his name. Could be as Glen Murray Construction Industry Ontario might be a little too, might be vague, but there's more about that than his relationship with the construction industry and, and, and developers in Winnipeg. I guarantee you that. I'm not, and again, I'm not casting aspersions, but I, I guarantee you there's been nothing written about that. And Glenn Murray's an old-style politician who used to throw uh, throw around money the old-style way and still wants to. 
But like, but like, whatever technique he was using was very effective on social media right off the hop because he was everywhere. But yeah, now things have turned on. Like even the, the whoa, Reddit, whoa, 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 Reddit. Whoa, whoa, Kenny. Okay, first of all, we're switching things around. This is going to be the first half of the show. We'll do the second half about the about our, the previous podcast. We'll do in the second half. You people have turned on Glenn Murray that you've det- okay. Let's 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 reset this. Take okay. a look at the time clock, Kenny, because this will be uh, one of the clock breaks. Okay. Um, all right. Let's give the overview of what's happened to the Glenn Murray campaign very quickly. In the polling, which started out at 44%, which seemed ridiculous, and then it came down, I think it was 40% actually decided voters. He went down at 28, this while accepting that these two polls of under 1,200 Winnipegers represent somehow scientifically a representative sample. We know that Glenn Murray is overrepresented in, in, on the political left, people that are more prone to be part of online polls, people who are more prone to sit online and promote politics and promote uh, causes and agendas and other such things. So we expect, like the Democrats in the U.S., an overrepresentation of Glenn Murray locally. Kenny, you previously confirmed he had a, a, a complete rollout on like Reddit and other things. I know. Yeah, yeah. Like what, whenever his stories were posted on Reddit, there was a bunch of support for him. Uh, this is the week, the first week that I actually seen when stories were posted. That CBC story by Bartley Keyes when that was posted about him. This, the second part of Pemina Institute. Yes. Yeah. That's when people start to turn on him and like, well, well, this guy's. Yeah. Yeah. That's the first time that, I, that it just turned. So that's, that's right. Okay, so it, let's it, now let's look like, again at the dynamic of why it's important for the media to do their job early and do it often when it comes to elections. I think Friday, I think Friday, the CBC story came out Thursday, right? Yeah. Their debate was Wednesday. The story comes out Thursday. Friday's the last day for advanced polling. That's what I was, I was going to ask you. If someone voted in the advanced polls, absolutely, can they reverse their their? No, of course they can. Any sort of, of course they can. And this is why advanced polling is so dangerous. Yeah. Because it, if the if the media, especially media that gets government money, fails to do their job, people are hoodwinked into casting their ballot for someone they, by ballot day, will not support. And I say hoodwinked because if the media is not performing the due diligence as stewards of the public good early in the campaign, on the background of somebody, Gail Asper herself said, 18 more years experience. Did Gail Asper know this was the 18 more years experience as a as a Jewish mother, as a Jewish grandmother? Does Gail Asper really think all these women are lying about the this isn't just a disagreement or he said something I thought was off color or, uh, well, he said he didn't like my, you know, my brooch or something, or, you know, or or he thought that my proposal was was juvenile, you know. It's spats. These were women that had miserable, confrontational, emotional, provocative, inappropriate in some cases, intimidating experiences, professional women that Gail Asper thinks should be donating to the Friends of the Canadian Museum for Human Rights, and they should vote for Glenn Murray because he helped to establish it. 
What about the human rights of these human beings? The, listen, these aren't anonymous. There are from Alberta, both from Calgary and Toronto, professional individuals, even if they're in industries that I think are kind of not my bag, the so-called clean energy industry, which we know is you know climate lobbyists with a smattering of some sort of science put in. But these are still highly educated professional people that are behaving and they put their names to their allegations. Does Gail Asper think that this is okay? That this is what went on for 18 years and she's told Winnipegers, Glenn Murray's got 18 more years of experience. Now you open up the ballot boxes and people are rushing to the ballot boxes for advanced polling, not knowing like Gail Asper apparently didn't until Thursday. Even blowing off the part one of Pem and I thought was you know pretty suspect of people. Now, just to bring it back to the polling, he went from 40, Pem and one comes out, some other whatever else was discussed about his campaign, how what parts were sensible or not, uh, what parts of him personally may have been reputable or not, right? <clears throat> uh, and also the ramifications of the allegations. Uh, one thing that I didn't detect from the Toronto complaints that I did detect from the Calgary campaign complaints, which is I think actually about Banff, uh, retreat in Banff or something, is the the um, rampaging drunken uh, behavior. There was none of that in the Toronto report. But in the course of this, he went from 40 to 28. Who knows if a poll were done, where he would sit. If that uh, this story, part two, had come out two weeks ago, uh, you can yeah. only imagine. Yeah, exactly. Now, because it's very different optically for people to see Murray, even at 20. And the other thing, and I mentioned this last time, Kenny, his lead went from 25 points over Gillingham to nine. And there was like no, only one. And I think the free press finally swung around on that and talked in an, in an on, I think it was an editorial about uh, about uh, Murray's gotten desperate on his tax proposals or whatever because uh, of uh, his, his, uh, uh, his lead has evaporated, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, where would he? Where would he be? And and it's not just his vote go, vote going down. Where does his vote go to? Because some of it would go to Gillingham, presumably, because he's got some, you know, traditional political. What's the term I'm looking for? People from the old uh, old traditional political circles, and they like to congregate around power. Yes. And and uh, so they will will flee to Murray. I don't see a lot of Glenn Murray support going to Gillingham. Would some of it go to Ulet? Perhaps oh, Loney. Their big fear was that it would go to Loney. Uh, Jenny Motkaluk, un- unlikely unless people said, you know what? She was the one calling out his credibility early on. And she was yeah. the first one to say, no, ta- I won't raise your taxes. And Glenn Murray played copycat on that, and that just made like, him look No, no, stupid. I won't raise your taxes. No, I won't. Yeah, that, I mean, that, my I God. Won't your yeah, I mean, you know, he could have gotten away with it if he'd presented it differently, but he he's not graceful. He's not graceful on his on his feet anymore. He uh, would be so funny if he wasn't s- such a jerk. Like his antics, like he's like, like it's so like him with that little sign spinning. I saw a gif of him with that sign spinning. Yes. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. That like that was that's hilarious. That I died. I couldn't do anything for twenty five minutes Dude. just laughing at that. So if 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 this had come out earlier, 
you might have ended up with a groundswell for, I mean, maybe Loney, maybe RFO sort of as somebody people are already familiar with uh, yeah. a little bit. Let I thought, um, I thought his performance in the CBC debate uh, was. I try to watch the Chamber of Commerce debate, and the CTV feed went out. Thanks for nothing. Uh, uh, so I didn't see much of it. I thought his performance in the CBC debate was the best he's done on the campaign. Uh, I think it was. If he'd have presented himself that way throughout the campaign, I think Glenn Murray would have had a real, tr- uh, uh, not a real problem, but he would have had some difficulty, you know, rocketing that far ahead. Because here's a guy with more recent name recognition. Um, I mean, the, things would have been different if this stuff would have come out earlier in the campaign. If the media doesn't do that job, and we can see that the corporate media, I'm excluding CBC because it's a that's a different beast when it comes to covering elections. They have many different wings. These yeah. newsrooms now, this is all um, homogenized, where you've got one TV station uh, uh, dictating, you know, like sharing content with the radio side and, and and then also online. And and so you're ending up, you're not getting a lot of the long form reporting that traditionally you would have had. You're not. There's no young reporters. Uh, at any of the radio stations, like there's no breakouts on radio in this town at this stage. And CGOB does a, a horror. They do no job of letting you know what was said on the radio program. There's no. no, no action on Twitter. I'm sure not on Instagram, like nothing whatsoever today at 445. Scott Gillingham said he would, you know, something, 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 something chief peg was whatever. Yeah. Right. Well, they're not uh, in the business of breaking news anymore. It's just that's just no. Not they aren't even in the business now. of promoting what they have. And if they do, then the electorate will go, "Oh, I can listen to what Gillingham said about this or whatever." They 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 aren't creating traffic to their own coverage. No, you know it's it, there's you used to have a lot of new radio newsrooms, a lot of reporters. Now you don't. We're the only podcast I'm aware of that's covered the election. Uh, the Slack has not been picked up by to any great extent. It's also complicated to cover elections, and I recognize that, and that newsrooms don't have resources. But you know what? A lot of these places, they get money from Trudeau. They could have done better. By oh, not doing better, yeah. by not doing better, stories like those women in Toronto, stories like resisted whistleblower training, interfering with the ombudsperson that's to the point where she quit, where she negotiated her way out. He did not want to supervision. He did not want accountability. He did not want to be accountable f- f- for anything. And then he goes off to Banff. And, and you know what nobody's done is line up Banff with the situation in Toronto and the emails in Toronto. Oh, yeah. And I haven't even thought of that till just now with you. If you line those up and when he went to Banff or, and Calgary and, and engaged in what is alleged to be sexual harassment and in one case, sexual assault is alleged <laughs> and none of the newsrooms will dare say it. And none of the columnists will dare say it, but you can be sure if this was a right wing, so-called pre- perceived far right, some BS uh, label that they put on politicians. You've never heard Glenn Murray described as far left. Have you uh, Kenny explain this to me? He ran for the leadership of the federal green party. Yeah. The most anti-Semitic political party in Canada. The most radical political party in Canada. How come he's never described as far left? So you can be sure that a politician who's anywhere near centrist would have been would have would have had the the 
circumstances from Alberta uh, the, with, with the guy putting his name to it. He's saying, oh, I think I saw one newsroom refer to it as the, he's refuted or denied the grinding allegation. Grinding? The grinding allegation? Grinding? <laughs> you know oh, what? That's funny. A little name. It's all right. He's just grinding. He's just a little grinder. You know what? Let's, let's come up with another cute little name, Kenny, and you tell me what would happen. Titty twisting. Oh, see? Would that's that a good be rest considered, would that be considered sexual assault or not? You're, you'd be fired. That, that, that 50 minute period where after you did it, you'd be fired from the, your job. In any sort of public, nowadays, in any sort of public office, you're done. Even in Winnipeg. Clean energy think tank. Didn't yeah. fire Glenn Murray. Now, what did these women inter- and this off the top of my head? I don't have a single note in front of me. What did the what did and I, I say these women? I just don't have their names in front of me. There was a couple of different individuals. Uh, one was a single mother, uh, the ombudsperson who was receiving complaints about Glenn Murray, and 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 one other individual uh, who who disputed the chair of the. Uh, Pemin Institute giving any kind of recommendation to the city of Winnipeg that Glenn Murray was just the right guy to make Winnipeg a leader in the fight against climate change. Like, that's the most fucking important thing we have to worry about, you jerk. Yeah. Yeah. Power for the sake of power to advance their own agendas. It's like he gave up everywhere else. He's like, oh, might as well go back to Winnipeg. The election is on my birthday. I'll probably have two parties. That's how Glenn Murray sounds in my head. <laughs> this was all out there waiting. Obviously, these people were waiting for somebody to ask them. City TV, just to name one. Global News could have. Maybe these other newsrooms asked or said, no, we don't want to talk about, oh, well, CBC's coming. I guess we better talk because they're onto it now. Right? I mean, there was a whistleblower. Somebody handed over emails. CBC's got copies of emails. Glenn Murray, the same day that one of the complaints was filed, and it was sent to eight directors. Nobody's put this together. I, I'm sure nobody on radio has the capacity to. God knows nobody uh, is going to take the time to, to do this. I'll do this off the top of my head. The way I was trained by Yoram Mizrahi. The day that a second complaint was received by that ombudsperson in Toronto, Glenn Murray, that's, it was sent to eight directors of the feminine suit. I don't know if that's all the directors. It might be that the, the, there's more than eight. Glenn Murray that day, according to an an email sent by a director of finance to the den chair, this guy that's endorsed Glenn Murray, said that Glenn at a number of times tried to draw the conversation back to a couple of passive aggressive individuals. Passive aggressive. In other words, Glenn Murray saying they should have come to him so they could be humiliated some more. Stephanie Forsyth or what? Yeah. I'm just saying. Winnipeg has seen this kind of leadership management and behavior before. And it's always from people from outside coming in. Correct. That is correct, Kenny. It's from outsiders coming in. Like there is somebody ready yeah. to sell you a monorail oh. or something. Well, at least a monorail same, is something that could at be. At least used a monorail is city. something. And Steve Jubal was right. We should have had one. <laughs> and the same day, Glenn Marie, uh, this the, the same day as that complaint is made, this director of finance is telling the chair of the board glenn murray's asking me to give up the names of who's complaining about him these passive aggressive individuals he's calling the women ha- having the courage 
to file a complaint through the ombudsperson, passive aggressive individuals. I will say what nobody else in Winnipeg media has or would, including Charles Adler. Glenn Murray is the cattiest politician Winnipeg ever saw. Oh. Yeah, probably. Top five, at least. I could live with that. (laughs) The same day, the same day, somebody stooged off to him. Glenn, the board's gotten a complaint about you. And he goes running to somebody saying, give it up. Who, who is it? I want to know who it is. Who's the party pooper? We're just having fun. He hadn't even gone to Banff yet. I bet you he hadn't even gone to have his fun. Why does Glenn Murray have a problem with women? Why does nobody talk about this? This is bizarre to me. Because it happened somewhere else. Not here. Not now. It takes time and money to do research. I guess, I don't know how media rooms now are days uh, dealing with all the stories they have to do, but it sounds like they got to pump out the story. So, uh, like, they don't have time to do any sort of No, there's a ribbon being cut somewhere. Yeah, it's probably pretty pretty, too. You know, got to take six pictures there. Sure. There's a crosswalk being painted. All of which is nice and part of community, but all of which can be done in 30-second hits. If the crosswalk is, is stories. somewhere where we can hashtag it, you know, we got to get that on there. We got to get that on the the feeds. We got to get that on the YouTube, the Twitter. Okay, you know what? And le- let me point out this. <clears throat> CTV's got lots of airtime. You know, they could have packaged Marilee Caruso's interviews with mayoral candidates and tossed it on somewhere. It doesn't matter what time. Put it on together. Tell let people know you can PVR this. We've put them all together. And you know, whether it's an hour long, I don't care. I don't care. Do something. Do something to guide the public, the voters, to the good content you've done. That's their job. Re- That's what they're there for. That's what they're supposed to be doing. CTV gets lots of money for the Trudeau government, for local journalism. This would have taken two hours, maybe, in an editing suite, and one, two voiceovers, maybe. Yeah. Didn't even have to be done by Marilee Caruso. I just see a lot of missed opportunity in this. And when oh, these opportunities so realistically are missed, we end up with a situation where 41,000 advanced ballots were cast and 40,000 of them were cast before people knew that three women in Toronto, that women it, the, of the four people that quit, I don't know if all four quit, three of them were seen to have been women. Hmm. you got the sexual harassment allegations at best and drunken antics on the one side and the acting like a Petty tyrant bitch on the other side. Glenn Murray's the leader we need. <laughs> Maybe I'd like he's to a- see, you know what? I'd like to see some of these union leaders uh, go home to their to their wives or even to their husbands and 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 try to justify what they say about their satisfaction, about their confidence in Glenn Murray, and explain to your spouse based on what was these people are putting their names out there. They aren't, this isn't some, remember early on, we heard that this is some sort of homophobic conspiracy against Glenn Murray. Somebody, somebody tried to float that up. Oh, I didn't hear anything like that. Oh, well, yeah, because it went nowhere and we know why it went nowhere now. I, I, I would, if, even if I heard that, I'd be like, well, this is just nonsense. It's just, of course it's nonsense. Anyways, in a nutshell, that's what's happened with media coverage and, and how it's affected the election so far. 
Uh, I could go into a lot, obviously, a lot more things. And now we most, see why most, Winnipeg is where it example, is. Pardon me, Kenny? And now we see why Winnipeg is where it is, is this lack of media coverage. No one really knows what's going on. We're just fed these nonsensical stories, and we think everything's going all right. We think, the new, we think or we think, most people think, the public think, that the media is doing a good job. But they don't know that there's all this stuff going on in the background that no that ever gets reported on. They don't know what's really no. going on. It's... Why don't our roads work? Well, you know, because no one's actually doing anything to hold the politicians to account. They're all doing their pet projects. They're all going away on their summer vacations, coming back and being like, well, I don't you need to You see what the media had to yeah. do, what the media had to do, and, and there isn't a talk show in Winnipeg that does this anymore, is they would have had a list of five scandals that have gone on at City Hall. And if you were in City Hall, what did you do about it? If you weren't in City Hall, what would you do to make sure nothing like this ever happened again? Like losing, okay. That dis that court case that disappeared when they didn't file on time. Mm-hmm. I would have asked every candidate, everyone, what are you going to do to prevent this? How do you hold the legal department accountable? Yeah, the taxpayers lost thirty million dollars. Was there an insurance policy that paid for that? The incompetence at City Hall was was not. Uh, you know, if the candidates don't want to make that a, a, an issue, the media has to make that an issue. Because that's that all is, the media does is that has that's its power is to make issues with, with very few exceptions. Lots of talk about about ancillary matters and things that the city has no effect on. Uh, a lot of time spent with with uh, certainly I think that a lot of the the uh, lower rung candidates have gotten a generous amount of time and they've been remarkably. You know, fewer of them have said really outlandish things than you would have, ex- have expected in a field of 11. Well, there's been horribly, uh, uh, you can see that there's been some horrible coverage of certain topics, certain issues, certain things excluded from the public discourse, uh, as opposed to other, other, other uh, portrayals of what the issues are in a story. You can see that, that being driven. But the biggest effect, and not, not that we had any intention of talking about this, and we didn't, but the biggest effect for voters is that they certainly did not get to know Glenn Murray very well before the end of advanced polling. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair statement. I think everything else that we've said is fair. It's, it, this isn't, he can't just talk around this. I'm sorry. We, we see this, we see now a pattern of behavior that is, that is disturbing. Oh, yeah. And what and, what and, have we always, he hasn't we, changed who he is. Like, it's not surprising that he, he, there's He's, been no well, repercussions he, but, for him, but it's like it's gotten worse. Yeah, well, yeah. When it, the, whoever he is, because there's no repercussions, he thinks he's doing just fine. Yeah, he's going to do more and more things wrong. Prove me wrong, Glenn. Prove me wrong. Well, there's the challenge, Kenny. How long did this go? This went on for. <laughs> this went on all right. Sorry, folks. <laughs> I was. I'm trying to think of where I'm going to do timestamps, and I'm like, uh, I don't really know. That's like, well, that 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 that, that spot that. where we swung into comparing how the how the media coverage affected things, and then yeah. pick off a couple earlier on and a couple after. Yeah. Edit edit on the fly. It doesn't have to be that extensive. It's just us talking, and yeah, and not is. and really not any different than what we'd say on radio, except there wouldn't have been an f bomb. Did you? I don't swear? think there's one word. I don't think there's one word there that we that that was spoken. Oh no. That is not based on on well formed opinion and on uh, a reasonable understanding of the facts on the ground. Rick would have let you get away with it. I I know I, I on my show I had people say the f bomb and I just warned them that it happened. The, I remember the first time it happened. 
and somebody said it just came out. I remember the first time it happened though, because I was like, "Oh wow!" And we've been on the air for already like two years. It might even been you, actually, <laughs> or maybe. with you in the studio, and and it came out somewhere. It only happened. I think the I think it only happened the one time. I think there's one other word, one one other time. We never had it. We never. Oh, these guys are so outrageous, and they're this shows uh, provocative. Like not one language complaint ever to the CRTC. Not one language complaint ever. To well, the I station. don't know how they could complain about our us and our show when there were other. Uh, and I'm not saying this is wrong, but there were people playing music that had f bombs. Yeah. All throughout every every. Well, there'd be music with f bombs, and we'd hear it, and we'd tell Rick, and he'd pull it from the. He'd have to pull it and put in the edit version. Yeah. Who knows, right? Yeah. So it could happen, but anyways, outside of the f bombs. The one F bomb. I don't know if there's anything here that would have would have aired on Kick FM or on uh, on any radio station that was true to its mission, if it had a mission. We probably would have had a couple more callers call in and be like, "Yeah, and this road sucks." Yes. Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. What about the bike lanes? <laughs> yeah. What about the bike lanes? Glenn Murray says that he rides a bike every day. That is his primary mode of transportation. <laughs> he doesn't own a car. Well, yeah, if he's drinking as much as he is, it's probably a good thing that he rides his bike everywhere. You don't want to be drinking and driving. That's a, that's probably the first smart thing I've heard Glenn Murray do. Rides a bike everywhere. <laughs> that's why, I guess that's his excuse for being late. Well, you know, my bike, I had to ride my bike here and my tires. I want to remind everybody that three of the 11 candidates on the ballot for mayor were victims of crime during this campaign. Only three? Uh, Pretty good. Only three out of the 11. I thought everyone was going to get hit at some point in time. Could be somebody's been hit and they don't even know it yet. Uh, Okay, Kenny. So uh, uh, I think that's enough. Well, let's let's hit the break. Uh, Part two, much lighter fare. We're going to review the uh, in a discussion form. Just going to talk about uh, what the most listened to podcasts were in our election cover. I pretty should have planned it for the probably should have planned this for the second part anyways, Kenny. I, I think I know. It. I think I know which one was number one. The Christmas special. Oh, the <laughs> Christmas special did go. Dang. No, nice try. Uh, back with more in a moment. There'll be more of the Great Canadian Talk Show podcast in just a moment. I want to thank all of you for listening to this podcast, for listening to all our podcasts. Your feedback, your questions, your news tips. This helps improve our citizen journalism. We're going to keep talking to the candidates directly, and you'll be able to hear their answers to what their background is, and what they see for the future of our city. We rely and depend on your support. You can go to the PayPal link at the bottom of the episode description, or if you want to make a donation, if you want to sponsor the podcast, the City Circus TV show, the our columns on Wham.Live, then you can email me directly. And whether it's $10 or $100, whether it's more or less, it all goes towards making sure we can bring you the best possible coverage that you won't get from corporate media so that you can make the best choice possible at the ballot box in this election. You can email me, martygoldlive at gmail.com. Back with part two. Uh, in the last few episodes, what's evolved is an update on what's going on with my alter, not really an alter ego, the other side of <laughs> things I do journalistically with the J.ca, Canada's national online Jewish newspaper. And I have nothing to report because we aren't publishing a new edition this week. But... What? If you want to get on our subscriber list, then go to the J, T-H-E, the letter J, dot C-A. It's actually pretty easy, eh? like Oprah, but J, 
thej.ca and click on the subscribe <laughs> button, put in your email address, and you'll get our uh, more or less weekly newsletter that showcases uh, our our lineup, our great stories. Uh, we have tremendous stories by wonderful individuals who who are are helping us get the stories of the stories of the Jewish world out to the Jewish world and the rest of the world, the stories of Jews in Canada out to the rest of the world, and the stories of Israel and Jews around the world. Did I get this right? We could, we try to cover everything a little, some things a little more than others, especially keep an eye on things that are going on here in Canada. Uh, and again, this is derivative of, of my attending the university of Yoram HaMizrahi. Uh, and this is what he taught me to do. And I, that's where I got my degree in, uh, in citizen journalism, so to speak, and uh, and in covering community affairs and uh, also geopolitics to some extent. I I had to absorb a lot of stuff from that guy in a short period of time, and thank God he came into my life. So uh, you end up reading stories from uh, Dr. Raphael Medoff, who's done a deep dive about three, four different stories now about the Ken Burns documentary about uh, it's it's about the USA's role in anti in in anti fighting anti-Semitism uh, in, and, and as it related to Nazi Germany, he's ignored how many times FDR had a chance to help the Jews of Europe and the Jews of Germany and didn't do so. Uh, Ken Burns has ignored it, and Raphael Medoff keeps, keeps bitch-slapping him for it in a brilliant manner. <laughs> <My word. laughs> um, uh some stories that are a little complex to, to explain involving law firms and university seminars in the U.S., a story by Mike w- uh, Wagenheim. Uh, about a law firm that sponsored an Israeli apartheid event. And when you dig down, one of the reasons why they sponsored this event or said they didn't but are involved with this, with this these college faculties is because part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion programming is to enforce uh, uh, boycotts, divest, divestment, and sanctions against Israel. So a lot of this anti-Semitism, this anti-Zionism, it's rooted in, you know, it's clouded under these different other things that are going on sociologically uh, to try to drive agendas and such things uh, and, 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 and drive narratives. Anyways, stories like that, they're complicated to explain when you read them. You go, wow, is that what's going on inside the, I think that was University of Chicago. Uh, the B'nai B'rith survey of Winnipeg mayoral candidates has a few surprises. Uh, we, B'nai B'rith did it. Yeah, I guess I can talk about the J.C. But it was this from like last week. But you can go to the website now and you'll see the stories. Uh, B'nai B'rith did a survey of the mayoral candidates. Uh, and this was a series of six questions. And we synopsized the most pertinent questions to our audience. Uh, but notably, Kevin Klein did not answer the survey at all. This was a surprise. And I don't I have not had a chance to ask Kevin if he was not aware the survey was asked or why he chose not to participate. Yeah, that seems um, odd. It, it was very odd. There was a particular question, Sean Loney, after answering all the other questions, and he, he's the first one to admit he doesn't get things. When it came to the adopting the, the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, he said, well, after the election, I'll be glad to sit down with people and discuss with blah, blah. So either, I mean, he had plenty of time to learn about it and didn't. So clearly he's so far on the left side of the political spectrum, he doesn't want to offend his supporters by doing something anti-Zionist hate, which is not be able to be anti-Semites when they're criticizing Israel. <laughs> uh, oh, so we, we synopsize those responses. Um, 
again, they're similar questions to the Jewish Federation Forum, but somewhat different. Um, touching on many, many of the same elements, uh, uh, city staff, how, what kind of training should city staff have to deal with anti-Semitism? And it was hilarious to read Scott Gellian talk about as part of our diversity, equity, and inclusion programming and root out the discriminations. Like, and then the next answer, Jenny Motlick is pointing out that DEI programming is the root, one of the root causes of modern anti-Semitism in institutions. So Gellingham's like completely out to lunch on that. It was just funny to see those two answers juxtaposed one, one atop uh, the other um, in that sequence. Um, there was, um, you know, Glenn Murray remarkably didn't do any name dropping in his six answers. <laughs> that, was <one> thing. <laughs> that was one thing that was missing is he didn't do any name dropping. Um, but one thing that he did say, do you accept the need for a national plan to combat anti-Semitism endorsed by the national sum? The national sum is a bunch of bullshit that the Fed set up so that Erwin Kotler would be able to talk to exactly who Trudeau wanted him to talk to and not to anybody else who's actually getting punched in the face by anti-Israel radicals on the streets of Toronto or Winnipeg or other places. Glenn Murray, the answer to this question is a resounding yes. This should the city accept a national plan to combat anti-Semitism that's delivered by somebody else? And if other minorities feel that Jewish issues are taking precedence, then the same approach to dealing with bigotry against these groups could be based on this model. Not that we were going to talk about this, but that is the stupidest fucking thing I've ever fucking heard when it comes to dealing with anti-Semitism <laughs> in Winnipeg. If other minorities feel that Jewish issues are taking precedence, Glenn Murray, think of what you're saying. I, I don't remember the exact figure in Winnipeg. I, I don't have a chance to look it up. Let's say 59% of hate incidents reported in Winnipeg are of an anti-Semitic nature. We know it's more than 50. We know it's by far the most. We know that nationally, B'nai B'rith has reported a tremendous rate. So it will take precedence, Glenn. Because there's more Jews being victimized by hate crimes by far than anybody else. But if other minorities feel Jewish issues are taking precedence, like the Jews are getting something that you know they aren't entitled to or deserve or whatever, then the same approach to dealing with bigotry against those groups could be based on this model. Well, no. No, because anti-Semitism is not the same as other forms of hate. And so Murray... Similar to a number of these other candidates, they are they have had so little meaningful contact with Judaism and the Jewish community, they do not fathom how endemic anti-Semitism is baked into cultures and other religions and philosophy and doctrine and urban myths and, and other things that takes generations to weed out and, and to even recognize it still exists in some places. Believe me, if there's no Jew in, uh, I don't want to name a town because it's unfair to the town. You just pick some town that you think is full of like, you know, neo-Nazis, some place in Saskatchewan or Alberta. Well, if there's no Jew there, you're not going to find out there, there's, if there's a neo-Nazi. <laughs> How are you going to find out? It's just neo-Nazis talking to other neo-Nazis or other people who, you know, aren't going to rat them out or don't. It doesn't affect them or they don't actually, you know, catch on or whatever. Like, what? Are you what? They'd probably still post on TikTok. But Glenn Murray's biggest concern is if other people think I'm favoring the Jews, we'll give them the same. 
No, because anti-Semitism is based on our religion and on being uh, Zionists and on supporting the state of Israel and on urban myths and legends about Jews, like our legendary control of the media, which explains why I'm so rich. And Glenn Murray's biggest You're the worry is the theory. my answer is a yes. And if other minorities feel Jewish issues are taking precedence, then I'll give them the same as I'm giving the Jews. Uh, as a Jew, let me say this. No, thank you, Glenn. No, thank you. Unbelievably shallow response. Now, there's one question that Sean Loney didn't answer, and it was actually the last question. Do you support action to combat increasing to combat the increasing security threat to religious institutions such as synagogues, church, and mosques. What specifically, Aspenay Brith, would you propose to do to address this threat? Uh, uh, Kevin Klein, of course, didn't respond to any of the six questions. Sean Loney, no response provided. I don't know what to make of that. I that's. Uh, I thought it was the IRHA definition. That's uh, uh, no, I no, I had that right. That he he talked around that one. I don't know what to make of. I don't know what to make of not responding to it. I, that's very strange. Yeah, Anyways, that story's in the J.ca. Got buried deep into that one. Sorry about that, folks. As well as yet uh, another uh, uh, in the series by uh, former federal judge Dogan Ackman uh, of the uh, Trudeau government's fake fight against anti-Semitism. Uh, uh, other little featurettes. Uh, that we um, that we carry from uh, writers about uh, affair, matters involving Iran and ethnopolitics and violence in that part of the world, uh, and uh, I did the the lead story last week that you should all go and read. Trudeau government kept the lid on Maroof scandal for a month, and that's uh, I'm proud to say a great story, and uh, it explains exactly how the federal government not only funded an anti-Semite. They went out of their way to find him. No one in the national media wants to talk about that part. Nobody wants to talk about the Jew haters are inside the federal government and the Trudeau government certainly doesn't want to admit that they employ Jew haters. But that's what you've got going on. Uh, and uh, lots of ins and outs, lots of quotes from very much more famous than me, uh, Jewish commentators, uh, uh, leading Jewish figures in the digital world, such as Jonathan Kaye, such as Mark Goldberg, uh, Vivian Ber- Berkovici. It's an excellent little story, if I do say so myself. The best Jewish journalism happening in Canada today. And uh, that's on the J.ca. Subscribe. And then if you feel like donating, there's a donate button there. If you feel like advertising, get a hold of us and we'll be glad to bring your message of, uh, of your product, your services, or your support for Israel and the Jewish community. We'll be glad to. Hanukkah's coming up. Hanukkah's coming up, kids. Yay! That's a yeah. that's a good one, right? That's a one it's to celebrate. Oh, it's so good. Hanukkah's okay. so good. So we touched on that. One other thing I'm going to touch on. Um, I don't anticipate tossing up a podcast during the week um, unless something enormous happens where I'll cut a commentary and see if Kenny can get it up in short order. Uh, we will have a recap of the election. That'll be episode 24 in this series. Uh, Kenny and I have not had a discussion about... Uh, technical matters 
but we have pretty much resolved that we're going to continue to do podcasts. And I, but I don't know if the one after the election wrap is going to be number one in a new series, Kenny, or are we just going to carry on with number 25? Yeah, maybe it's do, uh, we'll just carry on with the numbering. Like, uh, we'll do 25. Why not? eh? I mean, this is what got, it's what got us to, got us to the dance. Yeah. And then maybe we'll uh, have that discussion. Yeah. And then we'll get feedback from you listeners. Marty gold live at gmail.com. Give us feedback. What you, what you think we should or shouldn't be doing. And, the podcast where there's no election to cover. Uh, I And I don't want to cover another election, so don't ask because I'm exhausted. Um, but well, what about this new Dr. Pepper flavor I read about last week? We got to get you something the- about let me t- we'll do talk. We'll talk about put that on the list. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> but I do want to talk about one thing in my Kenny in your family. Did you grow up having ice cream floats where you'd make them at home? I mean, I don't know. My family wasn't big on making things at home, but I remember having them at Smitty's. Okay, uh, okay. For breakfast. So at home, at home, we would go. My dad would go to the blue. Was it the Bluebell Dairy at Stella and Salter? I think it was called the Bluebell Dairy, and you could get. I mean, you couldn't get this in anywhere else. It was kind of like a wholesaler. Uh, they, they, it had. It was like an ice cream shop, but you could buy the big. What do they even call the barrels of ice cream? Right, the big cardboard barrels. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we had a big. Uh, deep freeze in the basement and we always had ice cream and blue licorice and red licorice and like the best flavors. Like my parents were not rich by any stretch, but man, we always had good ice cream and we were in the pop business. So we always had free pop. Yeah. And we would make at home, we'd make our own ice cream. And even after our business folded, uh, we would still make ice cream floats at home. It was one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite things. I've done it. Not just milkshakes, you know, uh, like with milk, but you make ice cream floats. And, of course, we had unique flavors, too. So we'd have, like, a, a um, Jersey cream was like a vanilla cola float. Uh, lots of mixing and matching. But Ooh. my traditional favorite, Dr. Pepper, and in modern times, I've cut out the sugar version, Diet Dr. Pepper. And I happen to also love Chapman's ice cream. And I also especially like not always having ice cream anymore and having sherbet. And I got the Chapman's rainbow sherbet because it was on sale. Not necessarily my first choice, but I know it's going to be good. And it's full of flavor. I don't know if you eat Sherbet or Chapman's products, Kenny. Oh, yeah. Chapman's it's just outstanding. Outstanding. So I got this for $3.99, okay? And it's it's not a it's I don't know if it's two liters, if it's two liter, if it's 1.5, whatever. It's so delicious. Yeah. Oh. And I decided to do something that I realized I'd never done before. And I made a float, a Sherbet float. No way. <laughs> with rainbow Sherbet. Chapman sherbet ice uh, ice cream sherbet, yeah, <laughs> and diet Dr Pepper. Oh, and let me tell you what happens. The sherbet becomes encased in ice, so, it, it, so it, it's not you can't just like stir it in, you know. Yeah, it doesn't get. It doesn't mix. But when you cut into one and you pull it up on a spoon and you chew it and you crunch through it with the Dr. Pepper that's still fizzing. It's to die for. Oh, it's so good. I made a second one (laughs) thinking (laughs) much like my first date with uh, the great white Sammy. Ah, I must've got this wrong. Let me try this again. But uh, no, just like with the Great White Sammy, I was not wrong. I was right. 
happily. That's Fantastic. awesome. Yeah, that Fantastic. sounds great. Yeah, float. I haven't had floats in like years. One of these days, Kenny, we'll cut the podcast here, the office. Yeah, yeah. And we'll make up some wings, and we'll make up some floats. Yeah. Maybe a couple of our other uh, happy foods. There we go. Maybe we'll have a great cup party. Oh my word. Maybe. Uh, okay, now quickly to what we were going to do in the first part of the show that we're now doing in the second part of the show. There will be nothing else too deadly serious discussed from here on out. I hope not. <clears throat> what are the top five most listened to podcasts of the great Canadian talk show coverage of the 2022 civic election? <laughs> Glad you asked, Kenny. Now, I put these in, or- in order where there are ties and there are two ties. And in that case, the podcast that was uh, put online uh, most recently, the one that's been available to the public for a shorter period of time. Yeah. It's like winning percentage in baseball, right? You can have the same yeah. number of wins, but if you have this, the same number of wins, but you play five fewer games, you have a higher winning percentage. So the winning percentage of the uh, episode that is youngest, not oldest, has been online for the shorter period of time, will have a higher ranking. Okay. And so the first episode of the campaign was on June 22nd. And the, 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 that's the, the date it's tagged. Might have gotten online the 22nd, 26th, 22nd, uh, 28th. It was uh, July. Let me try it again. June 26th, 2022. Saddle up. There's an election to cover. I was right. <laughs> I was right. Now, that one has about 40% of the most listened to podcast so that tells you how much the audience grew okay trying to calculate in my head how to do some of this this math Mm -hmm. the uh so there's there's technically a tie for first there's almost a tie for second and third and then there's a tie for so if that i gotta do the math here so if that one's that's first and second, then technically that one be third, and that would be fourth. There's a tie for fifth. Okay, so there's a tie in a few of the spots. Tied for fifth. Uh, which one should I do, Kenny? The one that's uh, higher ranking or lower ranking? Higher ranking, I guess. Tied yes, for higher. fifth. August 22nd, the RFO interview and some new council candidates emerge. I thought that one would be higher. The RFO interview I thought was just outstanding. I think that 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 episode benefited, uh, and Kenny and I have had no have had zero discussion about this topic at all. Uh, I think it benefited from the fact that it was that it's known that I have good dialogue with Robert Falconulet. Mm-hmm. Uh, that I do something that other outlets don't do, which is bring direct audio clips from the press conference and have my own line of questioning. Sometimes, uh, uh, I think it also benefited, you know, the new council candidates that the uh, that the campaign uh was starting to generate some interest uh and i that might have been when we debuted the international man of mystery pascal oh, scott oh yes yeah i have to tell you something i saw his campaign video i don't know what this guy is about but i was very impressed really i came up as a facebook um ad like yesterday or two days ago out of nowhere and I was very impressed with how he presented his um, 
you know, he didn't, they weren't like hardcore platform ideas, but his philosophy, I guess, it not, it's not quite what he stands for, but just his principles. I was, I was very impressed with this kid. I really was. I don't know if he's cut out for public life. I think, I think, uh, I think he's well-intentioned, but he, he has, he clearly has a value system and he was knowing that he has spent years in China and is trained in and fluent in Mandarin. He's a different kind of cat. Oh, I bet. Uh, tied, tied for fifth, but technically sitting beneath that episode. From July the 10th, police chief Danny Smythe makes himself an election issue. Oh. As we predicted. Was this the water dunk episode? No, this was before he got water dunked even. Oh. It was before he got water dunked. Uh, and Danny Smythe, in fact, has been an election issue. And the fact that some candidates want him removed and recognize he needs to be removed. And other candidates are apologists for Danny Smythe. Because, again, these are the kinds of individuals that habitually, as career politicians, will gravitate to the seats of power. Uh, if you were chief of police of a police force of 15, 16, 1,700 members, and you knew that you did not have their confidence in your leadership, if you had courage, you would find another line of work. And oh. if you were the leadership of a city with a police chief, where a force, a service of 16, 1,700 people do not have confidence in the chief, you would have the courage to find new leadership. Period. You'd do, some, you'd do something. You'd do something different. But Danny Smythe made himself an election issue. And uh, uh, we were right in that. We called it early and called it often, and we were right. Uh, about So that that is about 25% under the top ranked episode. Okay? Mm -hmm. It's uh, about 10% higher than that. Around 22% behind the top ranked episode. In the number four position, August 15th, Klein responds to Councillor Edie. Glenn Murray takes flack on four fronts. Oh. <laughs> Makes and, sense. And when you, when you look the week after, that August 22nd was around the same number, you see that the momentum kept up through August through those episodes. And, and that also showed Klein responds to Councillor Edie. That got people listening because it showed that we had were able to facilitate interaction between candidates about spontaneous issues yeah. that when we raised questions or we had um, answers to questions from politicians that uh, listeners, whether they were themselves seeking election, other politicians, like uh, in this case, Edie, a counselor, Edie asking counselor Klein, uh, it showed that this program was interactive and not static. And that yeah. it was able to reflect the way we did on Kick FM, how a dialogue can proceed in matters of civic politics. Yeah, exactly. it didn't hurt that Glenn Murray was taking flack on four fronts because I think by that stage even Rana Bakari had jumped on him. Yeah, uh, and that's before anybody found out. Oh, that's before Pemina One, even. Oh wow! I, I think right? it might be before Pemina One. 
I'd have to look back. I think it is. Uh, now, just ahead of that, having edged just ahead of that into, well, okay, so actually one, two, three, what would be, no, it would be third place. Yes. Just literally one listen ahead of that one, all the way back to early in the series from July the 4th, Aaron McDowell takes five questions about the civic election. Ah, uh, I was thinking that's got to be top five because that was a, that was yeah that was really good. What a good. pleasure it was to be able to have Aaron sit down, hit play or hit record rather, and just have a conversation for twenty five minutes. I do not agree with Aaron McDowell about everything, and don't have to, and talk about his experience. What is ex- and what his experience tells him he needs to bring to City Hall. Yeah. It's a good insight into one character, into one candidate. Uh, I-, I will compare it in this way, actually. When we talked about media coverage earlier of the campaign, CTV, I saw a story about the Minarski Ward again two days ago on CKY News. I remember watching the first one, the the first one I can remember, that was about the dispute, the employment dispute, or unemployment dispute, between Aaron McDowell and his previous boss, Ross Eady. CTV did another story about Minarski Ward, and this time they were trying to cram in the other three candidates as well, uh, Steve Snyder, Natalie Smith, I, and the other guy is the guy that Edie supposedly, uh, not supposedly, Edie went to his house at one thirty in the morning after having a couple of pops by his own admission, demanding a sign back because the guy took an Edie sign uh, for his lawn and then decided he was going to run against Edie himself. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> I just can't remember what that guy's name, Honest Ed or something. I can't remember what his name is. And Edie calls him a liar. Anyways, so trying to cram in all this other shit about the Minarski ward. And instead of talking about the policies, which I believe Natalie Smith, probably in very vague terms, and Steve Snyder talked, were given a chance to talk about some policy plank of some sort, something substantive, all CKY focused on was that there had been a spat and they, uh, between Edie and Aaron McDowell, and they let Ross Edie say something bad about Aaron again. That did nothing for the voters. It did nothing for the viewers. They had two. They did the story already. They could have said, the, the, having parted ways. Here, I'll write the script for you. Having well, parted the, the ways. The story is in the headlines. Like, that's Ross all you- Yeah, Ross Eady now has to fend off the challenge of his former ward assistant, Aaron McDowell. Eady says his priority is crime and potholes. McDowell says that derelict building fire traps are... are Ruining is his uh, ruining Minarski Ward, and that they need better city services. At least show them debating the issues for crying out loud. Yeah, that is how newsrooms fail. They make a choice what they're going to focus on on a story, and for the voters of Minarski, in that instance, I'm not complaining about the first story because it was news. Second story, that's not news. Sorry, they failed. 
Just saying. Anyways, the interview with Aaron McDowell finished in third place uh, overall. And now we go to number one. The difference between third place and number one, just let me do some math in my head. Uh, about a 20% gap. So as far in the lead were two episodes, about 20 points down to McDowell in third, Klein responds to Edie in fourth, and then about 25 points down, 27 points, so to speak, down, percent down. Okay. So if you call the top ones 100%, then the other ones are sitting around 73%. Does that make sense? Maximum listenership would be 100. Yeah. Okay. The top-ranked episode of our civic election coverage, Glenn Murray should come clean about Caledon. Oh, yeah. I'm not, I'm not surprised, but I... So that's from August 8th. So on August 15th, the listenership went up 20%, a 20 point, I guess another 20%. Yeah, something like that. Uh, no, no, no. The, no, the listenership was up and we maintained it. Oh, I'm, I'm looking at this a little bit backwards. No, we, it shot up for that one, but we maintained a pretty good. We maintained three quarters of that listenership uh, uh, for our highest rated episodes through, yeah. through August. That's yeah. pretty good. That's really good. Wow. The other tied with it but has been on the charts for three weeks longer and therefore is technically in second. The Don Woodstock interview, the public don't want another Bowman. <laughs> I think that one ranked high for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was early in the series. It was immediately following Danny Smythe makes an election issue of himself and following the McDowell uh, episode as well. So you see there's three from July that, that, were in those top rankings. So that showed that we were building audience and it showed that we were establishing some turf, I think. Uh, Woodstock had not gotten a lot of attention and also the, the, to be able to do an interview, people obviously know he can talk. They knew he could talk. They know oh, yeah. I can talk. So they wanted to hear what came out of that. Uh, and especially that somebody said the obvious, the public don't want another Bowman. Yeah. And the public doesn't. I mean, Glenn Murray, look at Glenn Murray. He, he wouldn't vote for Brian Bowman. He says the city's terrible. Glenn, Glenn, Gail Asper says the city's awful. It's dangerous. <laughs> oh, wait. They're the ones that said vote for Brian Bowman in 2018. Yeah. And they still so love Don, him. When Don Woodstock said that out loud, people paid attention. Oh, yeah. But over a shorter period of time, and again, part of that August wave of listeners, uh, Glenn Murray should come clean about Caledon. Imagine if he had been asked the questions that are and and when you listen to that podcast, we'll put the link in of these top episodes. That was before we knew, before I knew, because I had missed this in the research material. I didn't have, I don't think I had this research material. Yeah. That he was frequent lunch partners, had meetings with a particular character who had an interest in seeing this development move forward. That he, with that particular political hanger-on in Toronto circles around moneyed crowds, had been in a meeting with a Murray staffer and a representative of the development uh, company that wanted to get zoning changed, big-scale zoning, principled zoning, like the master plan changed to accommodate their idea for what they want to do with land in Caledon. 
They met with Sir Glenn Murray and somebody <clears throat> met with this guy. This <clears throat> had first tried to meet with the mayor and get a private meeting and had <laughs> failed. Him and another person had tried to influence someone. That person, the third party, was said, hey, set us up with a set, set up a meeting, private meeting with the mayor. There's $15,000 in it for you. She went to the police reporting it. Now there's no private meeting with the mayor. This guy has a meeting, is friends with Glenn Murray, evidently has lunches with Glenn Murray. Has a meeting with somebody from the developer, representing the developer with Glenn Murray. And the next thing you know, Glenn Murray finagles a meeting with the mayor of Caledon. And he gets what this fellow in Ontario connected to moneyed circles couldn't get. A private meeting by pulling weight and throwing the staff out of the room. Yeah. We didn't even know. Can you imagine we'd known that he, he was connected to somebody who'd also try to have a private meeting with the mayor and it failed? No. No. Where a bribe had been offered to arrange that meeting and that he had taken part in a meeting with the developer. And that was before Glenn Murray went to the land in question to the site and contacted his chief of staff. And he was with somebody from that developing company, even though they were in the middle of a of an appeal that could have gotten Glenn Murray thrown out of cabinet for the perception of interfering. Great judgment. We didn't even know that. And imagine how through the roof the ratings on that one would have gone if oh. we had that material at hand. Yeah. And so... Number one, Glenn Murray should come clean about Caledon. Number two, the Don Woodstock interview. The public don't want another Bowman. Number three, Aaron McDowell takes five questions about the civic election. Boy, I like that lineup, Kenny. <laughs> Number oh, four, yeah. Yeah. Klein, being Kevin Klein, responds to counsel. E.D. Glenn Murray takes flack on four fronts uh, and tied for fifth, I guess, is how it works out. Uh, the RFO interview and some new council candidates emerge and police chief Danny Smythe makes himself an election issue. Kenny, what do you feel about that lineup representing the upper echelon of our 24, 23, 22 episodes in this field? Because this is number 23. I like how, like, the top five are usually your interviews with people because your interviews are really good. So, yeah, I just, like. Oh, you uh, know what? You're right. I thought that. uh, I didn't think of that. Three of them. Three of the the top five, top six, technically, but three of them are. Our interviews, you're right. Yeah, and all, but also, if they're not interviews, they're breaking news stories, like with the Glenn Murray stuff. So people are hungry. Yeah. Yep. So. You satisfied with that output, Kenny? Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I think I think it's great. I hope you listeners share that opinion. I will put the links. The, you will see the links to these episodes taking up all the room of available characters in the episode description. <laughs> uh, that's the way it is sometimes. Uh, What's your uh, style? Well, I, we have 4,000 characters, and I maneuver every single one of them. Make sure 4,001 are in there somehow. Especially if you enjoy, I wish, especially if you enjoyed any of those top five episodes, if you shared them with people, if you are on a campaign and you shared them with people. Yeah. If any of those episodes opened your eyes and ears, brought you new information, made you think about the media coverage, the way the candidates were presenting their campaigns, what was being said about the candidates, whatever. You can support the effort that we've put into this, and we would welcome that support either through PayPal or you can email uh, email me directly and uh, if, if that doesn't work, but bank transfers or something else is more your style, uh, we'll be happy 
to accept your help and make those arrangements. We will be providing an election recap episode. Uh, I have no sense, and we are not going to talk about it, but I have no sense of where this is heading. Uh, because who knows what we're going to find out about any of the candidates in the next three days, I guess. Yeah, who knows what happens. If Glenmore gets elected, I mean, it's not great for the city, but boy, oh boy, we sure will have a lot to talk about. <laughs> well, uh, that, that is inevitable. Yes, that, that is, that is inevitable. It's yeah. well said. Uh, I hope that you share this podcast. Uh, and you share this information widely. Uh, I do believe that we should have a bigger audience than, than we have, but I, it's not like I spend my life online trying to cultivate those huge numbers. The idea here has been to get information out to people that are most in, most interested in it and that have the greatest level of curiosity. And and it's brought us information. We've gotten all sorts of, uh, you know, you can call them tips. Sometimes it's background information sometimes it's explanations of well when you talk about this you have to remember that and and not all have come from political campaigns by any stretch um it's good to be engaged with the public again it's good to be engaged with having important discussions again and it's unfortunate that this is the only really the only location where that took place during the course of the election um the mainstream media is clearly clearly not meeting all the necessary targets to ensure the public gets information they need to have. Too much narrative, not enough of the real news and the real storytelling. Sorry to say. No, it's true, though. There's been some good work done on this campaign. Absolutely. There's oh, been 100%. some excellent work in some some of the reporting done not only in the mayoral campaign, but the candidates uh, the trustees in the last week, there's been an effort to cover some of that, but unfortunately it's focused. Uh, some of the stories I've read have been like reading Pravda. The important issue, if people think the important issue to the public is who works on whose campaign that has or did or didn't oppose lockdowns or didn't think that mandates were wrong. You know what? A lot of people are talking about that now. It's an open discussion, but only in the Winnipeg media uh, do they promote this uh, this hillbilly viewpoint uh, of, of uh, how town, the town shouldn't talk about these things because you know somebody might actually find out that people didn't really agree. Maybe no. something wasn't such a good idea. It's, it's promoting the, the newspaper narratives. I was shocked. It was like reading. I was expecting in reading about details about some people that are, were identified as working on political campaigns and no one cares what they what kind of fines were issued under public health orders. Were they spreading gonorrhea? No. Were they spreading syphilis? No. They weren't known to be spreading anything. This is horrifying. This is like in the Soviet Union where they would identify Anatoly Sharansky and Jewish activists who were purged, who were forced from their homes, who were purged from academia, who were labeled, who were harassed, who were given false charges of of loitering, false charges of hooliganism for protesting that they could not get exit visas to go to Israel. This is what you'd read in Pravda, okay? The the Jewish, the Zionist dissident who's, who's been charged five times for hooliganism Grow the fuck up. No one cares and no one should be told that they should be caring who has a ticket 
outstanding over something like that. No one cares that anybody opposed mandates. This is an open discussion now if they were scientifically warranted, if they did more harm than good, if children are or are not susceptible. But instead, anybody who says opposite is automatically deemed X, then they're called Y, then they're called a racist for good measure. It's sickening. The biggest reason the media in Winnipeg doesn't have credibility in a lot of circles is because of the way they behave. Vilifying people for attending uh, uh, rallies. Oh, and the, and the so-and-sos were there. So who cares? They are trying to promote the notion that there are un- unpopular points of view. And what you're doing is you're driving it underground. You're making people not want to participate. Or, or uh, th- This is what... This is why Trump was such a big surprise to the left-wing media. Oh, how did he win? Because you keep snarling at people for having pretty reasonable political beliefs, pretty reasonable concerns about public health orders going too far. The premier of Alberta just apologized to everybody who was victimized wrongly by public health orders. Now you tell me, how is when she said that in Alberta there were political decisions, how is it possible? Alberta, their political decision in Manitoba, Dr. Rosa was only guided by the science. Writing stories that name people and talk about they this and they that. Are they running for election? No. Did they say anything pertinent to the election? No. But they take up all this space, not talking about platforms, not talking about maybe what this person said about rapid transit or this person had really unusual opinions about, uh, say, garbage pickup or even about homelessness. No. Ink and 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 uh, typing skills in terms of inner digital space and broadcast time taken up. So and so, blah, 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 anti-vaxxer, blah, blah, blah. This is a disservice in election coverage, and it's a disservice to the cause of journalism. But then again, when these outlets receive substantial dough from the Trudeau government, we can't really expect anything else from them, apparently. That's why it's important to support independent media. That's also why you should oppose any legislation that purports that it's going to control independent media. Coming from the likes of Pablo, oh, we funded anti-Semite. We found out 30 days before we made the announcement. Nobody told me. Rodriguez, liar, liar, pants on fire. But I digress. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. We serve a purpose. We serve some use. And it'll be a lot less serious moving forward in a lot of cases. Hopefully. And if you want to support us, please do. And I hope you enjoyed the episodes. To repeat myself once more, Kenny, final thoughts? Uh, no, and if you're looking for something a little bit different, always try, go to interestingworld.ca. I did a story on Saturday about how scientists have turned water into metal, which is kind of wild. What? You think about it. Yeah, yeah. They found a way to take pure water. It has to be pure water. And they, like, compress it with super high pressure, like 48 million bars or something like that. And uh, the electrons on the on the, the surface of the, of, of the water start to move. But they need to have, like, some sort of, um, 
of source for the electrons, so they use sodium or potassium, and yeah. boom, the water turns into metal. They actually have a video of these water droplets turning into like a metal, a metallic color. It's really actually really rad. Yeah, even even Superman couldn't do that. No, I, that's what I was saying. I'm like, this is better than turning. You know, the old alchemists tried to turn lead into gold. This is making a substance that's nothing like metal, water, turn into metal. It, oh. The things we're doing nowadays with the uh, technology is just, uh, that's why I have that channel, Interesting World. I try to keep up with what's going on in the world of science. And yeah, it's pretty wild. It's pretty wild. That's science we can all get behind. There you go. Not like some of that other science. Scientists aren't all bad. It's the distortion of science that's bad. Yeah. Science is all about trying to find the truth, right? You know, when I th- when I think of it, there were sci- there have been scientists in my family. When I think of it, some of my cousins, I guess, were well, one one in particular who's I've never met is a uh, from the Russian branch, and she's a world famous uh, scientist in the area of linguistics and language and development of language. She's so much smarter than me. I've tried to watch her videos, and oh. it's like, oh my god, she's far. She comes from the side of the family that's far smarter and better looking than than my side. <laughs> oh no, I'm sure that's not true. Oh, no, it's true. She's she's a very good-looking person and very, 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 very smart. Like, she's like MIT, Stanford University smart. Oh, yeah, those people that know multiple languages and not just, like, one or two, but, like, eight uh, languages, they're next level. Next level geniuses. How many languages do you speak, Kenny? Not even one. <laughs> <laughs> one time, I'll, I'll close with this thought. One year, Peter, Peter Young, PY the sports guy. Uh he did a feature, a little feature on the, uh, and it probably was CKY at the time. Uh, Might have been, no, it was after CJY. So it was CKY at the time. Uh, uh, 6.30, 6 o'clock sportscast. They, I think they had two sports hits in those days. And they were great. They were like five minutes long, and you could cover lots of sports. And it was Christmas time. And so they went down to the Winnipeg Arena, and they just had a camera shoot the players and played some Christmas music. And the players would skate up, and they'd say, you know, Merry Christmas or whatever in their, uh, in their native tongue. And this was the international version of the Jets. So this would have been 75, 74, 75, or 75, 76. So okay. they had, uh, say, Hexi Rioranta and Kurt Larson, the goalie, Rioranta, the defenseman from Finland. And they had Schoberg, uh, Lars Eric Schoberg, and Anders Hedberg, and Ulf Nielsen, and uh, uh, maybe, maybe Mats Lind. No, Mats Lind was. Well, maybe Matson, but probably not. It's probably the first year from Sweden and uh, Veli Pekka Katola. I forgot from Finland, and they probably had say Bobby Ginden. Uh, I don't know if Normie Bowden uh, speaks French, but uh, almost certainly they would have had like Bobby Ginden from Quebec say something in French. And it could be that uh, Perry, maybe Perry Miller spoke uh, spoke another language. You know, maybe one of the other uh, players. Uh, that was on the roster, uh, spoke, uh, you know, uh, an Eastern European language from their forefathers or something. I uh, wish you a Merry Christmas. They you are right. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure Bobby Hull, yeah, Merry Christmas, everyone. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and they come back to the desk with this little feature and a happy new year. Right. And then the music ends. It goes back to Peter and Peter looks at the camera. I don't know if he remembers this. <laughs> Peter looks at the camera and he says, Joe Daly offered to wish everybody Merry Christmas in North End, but we declined. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, 
<laughs> that is awesome. Wish everyone a Merry Christmas at North End. <laughs> so so oh, the point is Kenny barely speaks one language and I speak uh I speak English, uh Hebrew, some Yiddish, some French, some Spanish, and I definitely speak North End. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> oh uh, probably the best laugh of the entire campaign, right to the very right to the very end of the episodes covering the campaign. Get out and vote. Vote off and share this episode. I know it ran long. Maybe just tell people to listen to the second half. You didn't like the first half. Uh, send us your, your by all means, your comments, your feedback. Everybody who's commented, sent us emails or gone a hold of us on, through Twitter or, or Facebook or whatever. F- from the bottom of my heart, thank you very much for participating in this you know, experiment, uh, so to speak, in, 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 in independent journalism. I think we've proven there's a space for it. It, it clearly needs... Uh, it, this is clearly needed and it's clearly needed on a much bigger and better funded scale. Uh, this should be the last civic election where the public isn't properly represented in the media sphere. I'll say that categorically. Whether I have anything to do with it moving forward, I, I, I'm not betting on it because I'm, I'm, I said uh, saddle up. I don't know how many more times I'm interested in saddling up, but <laughs> clearly Winnipeg has a need that has got to be met. And somebody has to step up and become the Nick, whether it's the me, uh, you know, the become the next. I don't want anybody to become the next me, but become the next Nick Turnett or the next Wade Williams or the next person that that in those days they could utilize community TV. Now it's got to be done differently and that's going to cost money. But there are people out there who understand the nature of community broadcasting and community affairs and public affairs. And that needs to be nurtured and needs to be supported because uh, for all the good work that CBC did on the campaign and some good stories by the son of the free press uh, and, you know, some of the other outlets here and there, uh, a lot of them were firing really at less than 50% capacity, 40% capacity. I don't know if anybody flunks flunks, but, you know, how many of them really broke store? Look for who broke big stories that have really lasted or stuck at the campaign. Not a lot of choices. And, and that's why there's some competition needed in the, realm of city hall and and public affairs coverage in winnipeg yeah but what do we know we just you know kenny barely speaks one language uh that's hard pardon me it's hard it's hard to speak only one language it's hard to master one language kenny (laughs) and you're still working at it thank god on behalf of spirit of kenny and myself that is episode 23 of our 2022 civic election coverage and remember as always Get out and vote because you have the power. Thanks for listening to the Great Canadian Talk Show. If you want to email Marty, send it to tgcts1 at gmail.com. Or follow him on Twitter at tgcts. I